0: Welcome to the Talk Story to Me podcast, where editors Amber and Callista show you how to develop an idea from initial conception to final product. In this season, we'll be working with Amber's new idea for her novel, Legend of the Gemini Twins. So for world building, basically what I'm looking for right now is just setting up the fundamentals. It'll get super flushed out might more later in in time, but right now we're just looking for like the core basis that you can build off of it. And so there, there's there's kind of like four categories we're gonna go in because I'm a top-down thinker. I'm gonna start with the most abstract, and then we're just gonna like slowly move into more specifics. So we're gonna start with the temporal reality wow. of your world, which is basically how the story exists within the universe itself. And then after that, we're gonna move into the physical reality, so the world itself and then the social realities of like the culture and then the day-to-day realities of the their life if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So the first question to go over then is where does your story exist in time? And I mean that in the sense of the past, present or future.
1: I feel like it starts in present time.
0: But then they go to the
1: past and they are in that time period exactly where the conquistadors and the Inca civilization clashed, like right before that. Mm -hmm. And I googled it before. I don't remember exactly. I want to say it was in the 1530s when that all happened.
0: Gotcha. So the 16th century is is kind of where they travel back in time too. And the nice thing about playing with time a little bit in that sense is you do get a built-in conflict with that in the sense of somebody who isn't used to the old technology now suddenly clashing and not knowing how to survive in a different time period, you know? So that is the one nice thing about working with time and time jumps, which is the built-in conflict that comes in with that. Uh, And so the next question then would be, does your story exist inside the universe that we already live in? So this universe, or is it an alternate universe? I've kind of been
1: thinking about that because at the end of the book, The plan is for the chief of the Incas to move the city. Mm -hmm. And I haven't decided where he's going to move the city. Is he going to move it to a different time period in the same jungle that's just hundreds of years prior where they're safe? Is he going to move it to another dimension? And I haven't figured that piece out yet. And it's going to have to play into the other books in the series.
0: I guess one of the things to think about then is after the El Dorado book, after they've been there, would they ever go back there again? Or is that like that's done? They'll never see that city again.
1: In my mind, once they leave there, they're done with that particular place.
0: Because I was curious about that, because if it's they're just moving it to a different jungle or a different time period, then you know, the characters could still potentially interact with it at some point in time. If it's a different reality altogether, a different dimension, then there'd be no way that they could interact with it. So one way to think about it is, is there any plot lines later on in the book series where you need them to interact with it? I guess they could still interact with it if it was in a different dimension. It would just be harder to do. You know what I mean?
1: I don't know exactly what I want to do. I just know I want to end with that last book on Atlantis and trying to save Atlantis. And I would assume that they would then do the same thing and move it.
0: Got you to wherever El Dorado is, essentially. To
1: to another place, yes. So I guess if that's the last book, then it doesn't really matter if it's another dimension or not because they're not going to go there.
0: Well, I was just thinking if it's, it probably doesn't necessarily matter on the page, but it's going to be easier for you to write if you have like a clear defined, this is what happens to it. You know what I mean? Um, So I'm just trying to think if, because if they're just moving it to a different time period also, or just a different location in the same universe, I'd be curious to also think about how that is going to impact the modern world or how it's going to impact, you know, the world that they live in. If a suddenly another city just appeared somewhere else, like how would that impact the world, you know?
1: And you can almost think of time as being sort of cycli- like circular in a way, like maybe the reason El Dorado was never found is because it's always been that they went back in time and moved it. It's kind of how I was thinking about it. But if that's the case, then it almost needs to be in another dimension somewhere because it's never been found. Then now it's never been found.
0: Yeah, that could be a good idea too. And maybe also thinking about it of just moving it, if you want to add in like a cyclical feel to the story, that kind of like plays into theme as, thematic. it has a thematic energy to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can also think about it, does moving it just to a different dimension better fit or better serve like a theme or does it better serve the the theme of the story to have it? In the same place just like moving around to different locations you know what i mean
1: there are jungles now that it i mean we still don't go into because they're just so dense Dangerous. And, or maybe if they move themselves back in time then every time they get to that point in time with conquistadors they get moved back again
0: like something that's like consistently playing out in like a loop basically mm-hmm. so if we look at the geography of your world How does that impact the people in it? Actually, so let's go back for one second. Because one of the things also to figure out whether or not your story is existing in this universe or an alternate one is... It's going to impact kind of like the next question. So if, if it's this universe, then you're not really starting from scratch. You know what I mean? Of figuring out the geography, of figuring out where everything is. If right. it's an alternate universe, and maybe an alternate universe that isn't mirroring ours, then you are going to have to do a lot more building of figuring out where everything is. So that's one thing to take in consideration as well, especially if you want your characters to be going to an alternative universe. So that's one thing to think about. And so if we look at the geography of the world that your characters are going to be set in, how is that going to impact the people in it? And I mean that in the sense of if the Incan civilization is set in the desert, how does the desert impact all the people and the economy and how people interact with each other? Versus if your characters, especially maybe in modern day, if they're living in like the Midwest or they're living in the mountains, that's going to be impact how people communicate with each other, how, you know, the economy works and all of that. So one of the things, that's one of the things to, to think about.
1: I mainly pictured most of this book taking place in the South American jungle where the Incas take place or Incan civilization was at the time. And then when the chief moves the city, Jackson and Evie get left behind with their parents. But before that, I picture Tiki kidnapping Josh and disappearing. So then they're left behind to face the conquistadors on their own. So I think most of the rules of that society are going to be very true to what Incan civilization actually was.
0: Which is kind of the nice thing also about setting having the story being the setting of the story be based off of like a real like civilization, which is you can draw from them to figure out how it worked. especially because you said it's mostly going to be jungle. It sounds like that set in. So you can do a lot of research to figure out how does living in a jungle impact society? I'm sure okay. you're going to have to have a different skill set to live there than versus like in the mountains or in the Arctic or the desert.
1: I know a lot of what their concerns were about had to do with water. Even though they were in a jungle setting, they had to be sure to capture water and have it for crops and things. That they had the cenotes that mm. were like the underground reservoir. A lot of their cities were built with that stair-step structure and all the water was sort of forced to drain down to certain Got places you. to collect it. So mm. they think that, you know... Some of those civilizations, that's why they fell, is because,
0: right, just due to the resources and how hard it can be to get resources. Of course, that might
1: have been more the Aztecs and the Mayans. Now that I think about it, I know they didn't have a formal, any formal writing. They used weaving and knots, certain types of knots. That's how they kept all their records. There's nothing left of their writing because it all, degraded. right. So we don't have any like written records from the Incas because of the way that they recorded information. And I know that at the time that the conquistadors showed up, there'd been a lot of infighting between Mm -hmm. like different tribes and different leaders vying for power that really weakened their whole structure. Plus the disease that the Incas or that the conquistadors brought, the smallpox is what really
0: I feel like that seems to be the trend for how a lot of civilizations end up collapsing. Power struggles and then a disease. (laughs) So the next one is is about the history of the world. So yeah, so consider the history of the world itself. How did it come to be? So since your world, it doesn't really sound like you're not really creating a high fantasy world. So it could Mm -hmm. just be like thinking of it in terms of how did the Incan civilization come to be here. Like, you know what I mean? That's how I would interpret it more since it's not like a high fantasy.
1: I don't know that they even really know the answer to that even. Of course, they have all of their own legends that I could maybe play with. They had Cocha, don't know who was what that supposed is. to be the one that started their society. I think that's where some of the El Dorado legends came from. They said that he was made of gold or something and... I think in honor of him, if I remember correctly, which has been a while since I looked at this, but I think that the chiefs would cover themselves in gold powder. And then they would dive into Lake Tittycock Mm -hmm. as part of their ceremony. And they would throw gemstones into the lake
0: in honor of
1: their god, Viracocha.
0: So this was a ritual to honor the gods that they worshipped.
1: Yes. And I think that's where a lot of the city of gold and all this wealth and that kind of came from all of that. And that is why the conquistadors were so set on finding it. I think there are even some people today that have tried to, they think it was Lake Titicaca, but I don't know that they're 100% sure. You know, there are some people that would like to drain the lake and look for all the I think they have found some gemstones in there. They know they actually did do this. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of both probably laying at the bottom of the lake in the middle of the jungle somewhere in South America. Yeah,
0: it sounds like it, it sounds like that's a, a gold mine waiting to be down in there. That's really fascinating. Are So are you interested in at all bringing in Incan mythology into the story or is that not super relevant I kind of wanted to. That's where my ideas
1: about the feathered serpent came from. A lot of South American cultures had feathered serpent deities. The Aztecs had Quetzalcoatl. The Incas had something very similar, but they called it something else. But I thought it it would be neat to pull that in there more. And I haven't really churned a lot in my mind how to bring in the whole El Dorado. Am I really going to make it a city of gold? I haven't really decided how I wanted to deal with that yet.
0: One of the things that can help you just just to think about as you're going over that is thinking how if you kind of like keep that idea in mind, like it's the city of gold, how is that going to affect other people? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Versus just a regular city. If you're constantly surrounded by something as valuable as gold, how does that affect their mindset towards valuable things? Do they not view gold as valuable anymore? Is it something else that they're interested in? You, one, that's something you can kind of bring into what kind of conflict can you now bring out of that just through being around it all the time? I
1: guess that would probably magnify the importance of getting the city moved because yeah. conquistadors had found it. They'd have slaughtered all the people and disassembled it brick by brick.
0: That could all add in like some more pressure, which is you can't necessarily just give them maybe some gold to get them to go away it's now it's the city itself you know what i mean maybe you can add in like how the gold maybe affects their tradition are they a very proud kind of people you know what i mean are they very much like this city is isn't just ours but it's it's beautiful in and of itself and they're very much like patriotic like this is our city Or you can maybe also ask the question, do they have, you know, the exact opposite kind of view of it because they're surrounded by this valuable thing where they're like, it doesn't really matter. I don't care. And just kind of think about how that would affect the conflict.
1: I could even make it more instead of like giving it a monetary value to the people. Maybe it has like a spiritual value.
0: Yeah, that could maybe even be more have more of an impact on them. Than just like the monetary value. If they feel like they get like spiritual meaning from it, and that like if it's a gift from their gods or something, then they're going to be much more protective over it. Or
1: if based on their religion, it's important that they give gold to their gods and display it for them. And if that's a cultural aspect. And that way I can play with it without being confined necessarily to history because. El Dorado itself was never found.
0: Right, right. It doesn't. It might not exist. So that does give you room to add in your own flares to the story. Let's discuss the magic system now in your story. Okay. Who, so, how does the magic work in your story? It's something that is imbued into objects, or is it something that is it comes from within you that you can use? How does one acquire magic in your world?
1: That's something I've been giving a lot of thought. I know I heard once that the Atlanteans Mm -hmm. had knowledge of special properties that crystals possessed that had been lost to history. Like if you utilize them in specific ways, there were things that they could do that we don't know about anymore. So I thought about kind of playing with that since I wanted to end with Atlantis. I wanted it to all kind of build up to that. And I had in mind initially that they would have these necklaces that they wore that helped give them these powers. But then I brought in the whole Merlin aspect. And then it started to sort of make more sense that maybe they had some magic of their own. And I was debating on how to kind of reconcile that. I thought, well, maybe the amulets or necklaces or whatever you want to call them they were, maybe they just sort of magnify.
0: That's what I was gonna ask. What if they worked maybe as amplifications? So when they're in that situation, it triggered the magic inside of them. So that that could be one way to like reconcile those two, two ideas. I
1: know with a lot of other books,
0: it's like they
1: don't like to just give their characters absolute power that they can wield anytime they want because then they can get themselves out of situations anytime they want. And it's not as interesting like the old Ben 10 cartoon where he had the Omnitrix. Well, it would time out on him and sometimes it wouldn't work when he wanted Mm -hmm. it. I don't have a limiting factor somehow that I can utilize when I need to, whether the necklaces get taken away or there are going to be times they have to fend for themselves without it in order for it to work.
0: So you're kind of struggling with figuring out the rules in a sense of what okay. context does it work in. in all of that jazz. So then thinking about that it sounds like if I'm if I'm understanding the problem correctly what you're struggling with with what we were just talking about is figuring out with whether you want the magic to come from inside them or from outside them
1: or if there's some sort of like limiting factor like maybe it's very taxing on them when they use their magic. It takes a lot of energy to do that. And so they have to be very protective of like when they use it.
0: And you can also kind of maybe have it if they didn't know they had magic, they don't really know how to use it. So in the first book, it could just be very chaotic of like, not really understanding when it works, when it doesn't, mm-hmm. or maybe not realizing that the aimless that we're wearing was amplifications, what made it easier for them to access it. And now if they lose it, it's suddenly like maybe come and go or maybe mm-hmm. thinking what triggers the magic inside of them if they don't know how to, how to trigger it themselves. Is it just being in life and death scenarios? Mm-hmm. If it's, do they have to use words to call on it? or is there some sort of ritual they have to go through to call it inside of them or is it just they go inside their own mind maybe meditative like and just like pull on it that's mm-hmm. something to also kind of flush out how does it get yeah. triggered you
1: know because i have the sense that evie's much better with it in the beginning mm-hmm. than jackson is it could be that she's more able to calm her mind in a tense situation to be able to use it that jackson is since he's always mm-hmm. so anxious Oh, maybe I could play with that. I definitely wanted to be kind of chaotic in the first book, like they don't understand it themselves. But I know I need a very solid understanding in my mind to be able to build in that gradual understanding that they gain over the course of the book.
0: You want to understand the magic system, even if the characters don't. Right. That's going to help you a lot, especially in the series, making sure everything logically makes sense another thing you can think about because now i'm in the in the mindset of kind of figuring out what triggers it to begin with well first off i do like the idea that evie do like the idea that evie is if the trigger for the magic is calming your mind down and just kind of like going within yourself to bring it out i do like the idea of evie being better at it to begin with than jackson because that fits thematically if jackson doesn't trust himself on the inside then he maybe he struggles with pulling on his magic. And then therefore that can create more conflict, not just mentally, but then physically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of like the way that that would play into the theme if you went with that. There's also more triggers that you can think about for what triggers the magic. Like, do they need wands like in Harry Potter? Is Yeah, just kind of like that. Is it objects that they need to to channel it? I was thinking that...
1: Gemstones somehow would play into it and their properties and being able to use them because then at the end they sort of use the magic and a gemstone to move the city.
0: It can kind of be maybe a combination of like both, then like they have the magic within them, but maybe they need the right tools in front of them to combine with it in order to create an outcome. Is that kind of what you're thinking?
1: I think so. Harry Potter's kind of that way too, I guess. I mean, they have magic, but they got to have their wand. Sometimes they need the right potion or they need to know the right
0: spell or... In this scenario, I feel like it's a little bit more of like traditional magic where like you have to go out and find the things that you need in order to create the outcome. The, um, The pro to that too is if it's an action adventure novel is... You can almost get a little bit of a scavenger hunt kind of thing of like you need to go here and here and here to get the things you need, which can create like fun, exciting conflict. If that's ever a plot line you want to go down, could serve that. Yeah, those are are things to think about to mull over in your brain. Because I'm thinking in the
1: next book, I'm going to send them to Camelot and Mm -hmm. they're going to find out that they're descendants of Morgana Le Fay, and that's where their abilities come from but then they're going to have to defeat her.
0: And so I don't know if we talked about this in an earlier podcast and I'm just blanking. So for, I know you want this to be a series. And so each book takes place at a different kind of like lost civilization is what I'm understanding. And so the overarching plot throughout the series, that's bringing them all together, like the through line. Mm -hmm. What is the through line? Do you know what that is? I'm still figuring that
1: part out. Okay. In my mind, Tiki, who betrayed them in the first book, did so because he's from the lost city of Atlantis. And he was a time traveler, but then he went back. His civilization was destroyed. Mm. He went back to try and fix or evacuate. And something happened. Like he lost something and he got stuck and Mm. couldn't get back. And so then with the twins help, he kind of uses them to get what he needs so that he can go back and do what he needs to do.
0: Is, is Tiki kind of the main villain then of the series? I'm thinking
1: that in the first book, they think he's a friend and Mm -hmm. then they think he's betrayed them, but then they later realize why he betrayed them. And what he was trying to accomplish and they, reunite again later he sort of redeems himself
0: so he's he's a very complex character then because one of the things that I was wondering too is if you're gonna go with a kind of magic system where you need to have you know like certain objects or things in front of you to get an outcome is that how would that play with the the bigger series is it eventually going to kind of become, in order to stop the main villain, they need to get these things from different cities? Is that kind of what you're going for? Or something completely different?
1: I think that's what I'm seeing, because I, I see them having to go fulfill these quests. I think in the first book, I was kind of debating because, you know, the goal is to get the parents back. But then I was thinking if they get the parents back, then there's nothing to sort of pull them
0: Back into the, in the adventure,, book. Mm-hmm.
1: so I debated on does Tiki kidnap one of the parents to take with them, and then I kind of set on maybe they get the parents back, but Tiki kidnaps Josh because Josh has a lot of knowledge about something that he needs in order mm-hmm. to accomplish his goals and right. so their search for Josh. And trying to rescue Josh was going to be like what kind of pulled them through from book to book.
0: And remind me again, because I'm blanking, who, what What role did Josh play? Who is Josh again in the story? He's kind of based on Josh Gates from Expedition I Know. He's the archaeologist. Got he you. He has his own show. It, was he the and, uncle? Is he playing the uncle to them? No, he's the one that goes
1: missing. And that's why the uncle takes them to the jungle because they're going to look for him because he disappeared in the same jungle that their parents disappeared in.
0: And so you're kind of then debating on whether you want the overarching goal for the series for the kids to be getting their parents back and maybe like following the villain along trying to save them. Yep, that wouldn't be a bad idea. But then they need some
1: sort of goal that they accomplish. In the first book, I feel like because I I think with like that last Musketeer series, it's him trying to get his parents back. He finally does accomplish at the end, so I know that that can work. But, but you still
0: want to reward the characters in the yes. first, especially if Jackson's going to be doing a big change, like one of the conventions, or maybe it's an obligatory moment is you know rewarding the hero for their sacrifice at the end in the resolution. Like so that. maybe it can be something where, like a lose-but-win situation, where maybe they don't get the ultimate goal of their parents, but they won maybe more friends or more allies or confidence. So they they still get this hopeful ending of, we mm-hmm. can do this. And then they're like, maybe ends with deciding to go to a different civilization to follow the villain to places maybe Like, maybe something like that. Or maybe they get their parents back, but maybe the parents send the kids off on a quest to stop the main villain and maybe follow them along. I don't know. Something. It
1: would probably probably make more sense that they get Josh back and their parents get kidnapped. Because if they get their parents back, then their parents probably aren't going to let their kids go. Right. Dangerous. West back in time. So maybe Josh takes them under his wing because he knows what's going on. And maybe they all set off together to go find the parents.
0: Yeah, I think that could be a good ending, a compelling ending, because they get that that little win of at least they got someone back. And mm-hmm. but the the journey isn't done yet, though.
1: Yeah, and in my mind. Tiki next goes to Camelot because there's something he needs from there to save Atlantis. I have to figure out exactly what he needs because if they move the Incan civilization or the if they move El Dorado in the first one, then if all Tiki needed was to move the city was that, then he would just he wouldn't have any use to go anywhere else. So somehow moving Atlantis is going to have to be more complicated than that. Or maybe there has to be some sort of enemy they have to defeat. It's not just a matter of moving it. It's some...
0: Could be like maybe you could create the idea of like there's like an ancient enemy that the Atlanteans have and that like maybe they storm the city or something and kill everybody. So he's going back in time to... Stop that from happening. And maybe he, maybe you can try to add like a race against the clock, maybe tension to it if he has to stop that from happening again. Or maybe if moving the city requires very, very powerful magic, he has to obtain things. Or maybe it's a map that he needs. And so he's going to different places to like get different pieces of a map, something, some motivation, (laughs) things to just think about.
1: Yeah, I think I've been thinking too much of, like, the actual history. You know, a lot of people think that Atlantis was destroyed by a volcano. That doesn't work for the sake of the story so much, I feel like. I feel like, you know, they think that they went to war a lot with the Greeks, or at least that's, like, some of the the mythology behind it is that they fought the Greeks. So it would make sense that they had some of those, like, Greek gods or something at play that I could use kind of like the Rick Riordan books did. You could
0: find a way to add that in. The volcano part would be hard to add in unless it's like somehow like magically activated by somebody else that they're trying to stop maybe. Otherwise, it might be hard to fit it in and make the story work.
1: Yeah, it can't just be a matter of moving the city in that case. It's got to be something bigger than that.
0: So one of the things to also think about When it comes to kind of like helping to define the magic system for you is who has the ability to use magic in your world? So does everybody have the ability if they wanted it to? Or is it certain sectors of people? And how are you kind of like defining that? In my mind, it's just Evian Jackson.
1: And then, you know, when they find the feathered serpent, he turns into Merlin he has magic and then Morgana Le Fay has magic. But in my mind it's something that you have to has to be like in your bloodline.
0: So it's passed down through blood. Kind of like Rowling did, I guess, with
1: the Muggles.
0: Yeah, like you have your pure bloods and then your mixed bloods. I guess if I was smart, I'd take the whole
1: Harry Potter concept of how she did things and kind of break it down and then put my own spin on things.
0: Yeah, you could do that. And I would suggest if you're going to do something like that, where you're just kind of like breaking down other magic systems and figuring Mm -hmm. out, you know, I don't like this here. What if you do this? Is to do that with a couple of different magic systems. So like two to three ones that you really enjoyed. And then kind of like maybe try to hodgepodge some things together, figure out how they did this and how like, oh, that'd be really cool if they did that. Just to give you an idea of what to do and how it kind of like plays out in the story.
1: Yeah, that way I have a guide but I, mm-hmm. I still make it original. by like mixing.
0: Yeah, mixing and matching, kind of like figuring out what you would like more.
1: So like maybe instead of the wands, I have gemstones.
0: I like the idea of a gemstone, especially if you're going to... So is it going to be just any kind of like gemstone does the same thing? Or so like if you have like a ruby gemstone, it's going to amplify this type of magic, a Blue one or emerald one is going to do this.
1: Yes. Different gems will have different properties. And I guess I could get kind of wild and come up with like different stones that people don't even know exist that Mm -hmm. are like really hard to get. And maybe they have like bracelets that they can pop stones into that like.
0: So eat for easier maneuvering. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So they can keep them with them instead Mm -hmm. of keeping them in like a bag or something.
0: So in this scenario, the gemstone would be replacing like the wands in Harry Potter. Are you going to, I guess you never really said, we kind of discussed a little bit. Are you going to try to have it like where Harry Potter does where you have to say a specific spell to get them to go? Or is it just. I think that would make a lot of
1: sense because
0: that way they're really going to flounder around at first
1: because they they lack knowledge and experience maybe Merlin in the first book, since they're going to see him for a little bit, can give them a little bit of something to use, but they don't have like the whole picture yet.
0: I like that idea to do that and go through with that. And it could be interesting too, because in Harry Potter, you kind of have it where like the wands are sort of sentient and the idea that, you know, the wand chooses the wizard. So Mm -hmm. would you be interested in adding maybe a a little bit of a sentient part to the gemstones, or do you just want them to be just objects?
1: So almost like the gemstones have a certain energy about them, and different gemstones almost have like different personalities, and that gemstone has to agree with your energy in order for you to be able to use it.
0: Like, it could kind of be where, like, um, certain gemstones only appear to, like, the worthy or, like, the brave. So you can have it kind of be, like, where you have to, if you're trying to obtain them, maybe trick them into appearing to them or find somebody who can do the dirty work for you to obtain them. If some of them only want to work with certain people or appear to certain people... Or maybe only off of the Harry Potter thing. The way it kind of works was if you used a wand that wasn't yours, you would break the wand basically or like crack the wand because it didn't want to work with you. So you could almost think of it like what if if the gems have maybe their own kind of personality, can they hurt the wearer that is using them? Is there any ability to do that maybe? Is there any, yes, kind of like things like that to just kind of like marinate inside your brain. And
1: maybe Jackson and Evie can't, both wield the same gemstones.
0: It could could be something like that, either through maybe gemstones only wanting to work with one or the other, or if you use it too often, what happens? You know, can you potentially break a gemstone through the overuse of it, through trying to channel too much power through it?
1: Maybe if you try and use it for the wrong purposes, if your intentions aren't pure, maybe that's why the gems are so particular about who is able to wield them. Because they'll be destroyed if they're used? Wrongly. Would you
0: almost want to have like good gemstones and like bad gemstones where stones are for dark powers? Maybe something like that. Just stuff yeah. to think about. And maybe it's dangerous to attempt to use
1: a dark gemstone because then it can like turn you a little bit.
0: Well, that's actually a really interesting process. Can the the gems? like almost corrupt the person who's using it can they influence the mind of the person who uses it and what about bonding can you like bond with the gemstones and like you know what i mean almost kind of like
1: star wars where they have the dark side and then the force
0: yeah kind of like melding that with like the ring from lord of the rings where like it can corrupt you if you wear it for too long kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that would be really interesting i feel like Especially because there could be a lot of built-in conflict with that if, like, the gens are, like, low-key sentient, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, like, naturally they're going to have to use some sort of dark gem at some point to do something because that's the only option, you know?
0: It could be make for an interesting crisis of use this to get out of a scenario, but the consequences is now that you've been touched by darkness. And so that could be an interesting thing to grapple with at some point in time. Another thing to also think about as you're you're kind of figuring out with the magic system is maybe the history of the magic system. So are these gems just something that was accidentally discovered? Were they created? And maybe the personality of the gems has to do with the creator of the gem? Or is it just they kind of love, nobody really knows how they got there? Or was it like aliens? How did that all work out? Something to think about.
1: I probably got to trace it all back to Atlantis. And that's where all of their technology came from. The mythology of Atlantis says that they had flying machines and mm-hmm. all of this really advanced technology that was like it was almost like having our technology now, but like in that time period.
0: So the history then of of kind of like the magic system and the gems goes back to Atlantis and their technology.
1: Maybe that's what destroyed Atlantis. Was the use of the dark the dark gems the dark gems would be a cool
0: yeah a cool twist yeah I like that I like that idea a lot
1: that concludes this episode of the talk story to me podcast thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time as we demonstrate how to take your book idea and turn it into a book reality if you have enjoyed this episode please consider leaving a rating and review Until next time, keep writing.